When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a football game, not just off-season musings. And there have been a lot of those over the past several months, but the 49ers are in full game week mode. That means that the Bears are on the schedule. 49ers take off to Chicago after practice on Friday. They'll play at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. I'm sure there'll be a lot of 49ers fans in attendance because it's a big Bay Area sports weekend in Chicago. The 49ers uh, will be there at the same time that the San Francisco Giants are at Wrigley Field playing the Cubs. And I know that the Giants, their playoff hopes right now looking a lot worse than the 49ers playoff hopes. Uh, But when that first came out on the schedule, I know a lot of people were excited. So I'm sure that uh, many will be taking that United flight, one of the many United flights from hub to hub, SFO to ORD. Or if you're a Southwest person, then uh, you'll go to Midway. Uh, no, I think Southwest flies to O'Hare now too, Matt. W- which one are you on, Matt? I'm on a uh, San Jose to Midway flight, so uh, I'm on a uh, on a Southwest. And uh, if you're getting in in the middle of the day, O'Hare is fine. But boy, I've been in O'Hare sometimes uh, in the in the evening, and the and the traffic there, the cab line, the uh, the Lyft line, uh, Uber, all that stuff uh, takes a long time. So if you have a choice, I would strongly recommend Midway over O'Hare. Yeah, a little more centrally located too, closer to Soldier Field. You could reach both of them on the L, on the, on the subway or the elevator rail, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, Chicago, good city. Hope everybody enjoys it this weekend. Hope everybody enjoys this show. We already have 159 listeners and counting filing in. That number is only growing. So welcome everybody on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It is a little bit cooler in the Bay Area today than it was yesterday, but it was still hot out on the practice field. We watched the 49ers go out of today. They'll have another session on Thursday, and then finally a walkthrough-like session on Friday before heading to Chicago. So everybody, you know the drill. This is a live room, so you can uh, put yourself in the queue to ask an audio question, and we might even be able to get to some text questions. We'll monitor that as well. But Matt, 49ers open this one as touchdown favorites, seven-point favorites against the Bears. And the first thing that I see when I look at this matchup is that Chicago is starting a rookie at left tackle in Braxton Jones. And then at right guard and right tackle, they're going to have second-year players between Tevin Jenkins at right guard and Larry Borum at right uh, at right tackle. And these are both second-year players who weren't good in pass protection last season. So initial glance says that, boy, the, the Bears are probably going to struggle to block Nick Bosa and company. It would be a shock to me if the 49ers didn't have a huge advantage in the pass rushing department, which leads to the key that we usually say every single week for the 49ers. They have to earn the right to rush the passer. They have to set up down and distances to be able to to be able to unleash Bosa and get after the quarterback. And if they do that, uh, then we'll see why they are, in fact, favored in this game. Yeah, I remember it was uh, the Bears game last year where the 49ers made those three big defensive adjustments 
Eric Armstead playing more on the inside, Arden Key getting some some third down inside pass rush moves, and a big one which was uh, giving Nick Bosa kind of carte blanche to to line up either on the left side or the right side wherever he thought he had the the better advantage, and he really started moving to the left side, putting himself against the uh, the right tackle against Chicago, and and he played on that left side for for the bulk of. Uh, of the rest of the season last year. So um, it'll, it'll be, it might be a decision for him. Uh, what What is the weak spot against the Bears? But uh, your point is well taken. It, it'll be moot if uh, they can't stop the run. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's sort of an underplayed question mark, I think, entering the season. No DJ Jones this year. Um, and have the 49ers uh, lost something, a, a good run stuffer, in him uh, to the point where other teams will take advantage. You got Javon Kinlaw in there now. You've got Hassan Ridgeway, who's their pretty much their designated run stuffer. But if uh, if I'm another team, that's that's how I attack the 49ers. And uh, I know the, the the preseason is a very very difficult gauge for what's going to happen. But I I didn't like how they played the run in that that final warm up game against the Texans. Uh, the, the Texans seemed to take it to them right down the middle on some of those opening drives. So that'll be something that they uh, they look at, they take care of. But if they do have a lot of third and longs, boy, Bosa, Samson Ebucom, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, a slimmer, quicker Javon Kinlaw ought to be uh, feasting in Chicago. Yeah, and you talk about that game against the Texans. We didn't see any of those important guys play, right? Bosa was out. Kinlaw had played a ton uh, against uh, Minnesota a few days prior, so he was out. Armstead wasn't in. I mean, you, you talked about it, the move inside from Eric Armstead last year when the 49ers needed that following the Kinlaw injury is what really started allowing them to stonewall the run, right? Armstead would pair there with DJ Jones on those base downs and on all downs, really, for Eric Armstead moved inside permanently. But, you know, if you project that to the future, it's going to be a base down kind of situation. And they were able to fire the gap, stop the run, control the line of scrimmage. And then you let Bosa work. I mean, that's that's the that's the summary of uh, potential success in, in a wide nine defense. You, you you're taking greater risks in the wide nine because you're elongating that line. There's more space in between those guys. Uh, because, you, you know, you want them to be able to operate in space. Matt just wrote a fantastic article on Nick Bosa, his, uh, you know, just his, his diet. He's got a personal chef, and, and he's just coming off the ball so fast now, under 1.5 10-yard uh, 10 split, which is unheard of for a defensive lineman. Well, uh, to, to showcase that, the 49ers like to stretch out that, that formation up front. They really want to showcase those bursts off the line of scrimmage from their edge rushers. That's where the wide nine comes from, but it does leave you a little bit vulnerable on runs up the middle if you don't have absolute Ferraris at defensive tackle to be able to commandeer that space, to be able to take on double teams and to athletically be able to close those gaps. So, so much of this is reliant on the team effort and Javon Kinlaw. How about the other side of the ball, Matt? Because Justin Fields, I mean, this lends itself to a lot of interesting storylines. Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback, is obviously somebody that uh, was talked about in 49ers circles after they made the trade up in 2021. And uh, they ended up picking Trey Lance. Justin Fields ended up going later to the Chicago Bears. Fields delivered his best game of his rookie season last year against the 49ers. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a good offensive line last year. He may not have a good offensive line again. 
but you, you have to expect that he's going to uh, have made at least some progress. And the fact that he did have some success against the 49ers defense that wasn't playing its best football yet, we should note that. But the fact that he did have some success last year means that the 49ers have to keep an eye out for him this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure that's a confidence boost for him. I remember thinking in the first half of that game, if I'm a Bears fan, uh, I think that this this performance is fantastic. And I'm, and I'm very encouraged about uh, the future because uh, Fields was good with his arm. I mean, he, he threw a couple of really nice balls, including one touchdown. And um, he, he was good with his legs. He picked up a lot of gr- uh, yards on the ground as well. Uh, and I realize that that was maybe the exception to his rookie season. But um, like I said, if I'm a Bears fan and that was the one game that I watched, uh, that that would have been quite encouraging to me. Uh, so uh, the, the, the 49ers have to, uh, you know, uh, disrupt him, make him un- uncomfortable. And uh, I think that they will. You know, the the one guy who I think will be interesting uh, sort of under the radar might be George Odom, uh, who I think is probably going to get the start next to uh, Talanoa Hufanga at safety. And Odom's interesting to me because he started, I think it was seven games last year for the Colts. And that's what sort of encouraged the 49ers that uh, if we sign him as a free agent, we got this great special teamer plus a guy who can start some games for us if there's an injury at safety. And lo and behold, there's one right off the bat with Jimmy Ward here. Uh, but the Colts are interesting because basically it, uh, that, that defense last year in Indianapolis was run by Matt Everfluss, who's now the, uh, the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And the secondary coach is the uh, defensive coordinator. So my point is that the Bears offense knows George Odom, knows his strengths and weaknesses um, better than anybody. So uh, I wonder if that's going to be uh, sort of a, uh, a, a strategy point, a pivot point for the Bears as they're kind of game planning this week. Yeah, and, you know, just losing Jimmy Ward is is something that can't be overstated. He's such an important piece of the 49ers defense. They're not going to have him for at least the first four games. And if you look at the potential crack in that unit, which looks so good for so much of training camp in the preseason, it is the fact that we're not sure about that second safety position. Hell, we may not even be sure about the, the first safety position right now, which Talanoa Funga slides into while Jimmy Ward is out. Remember, one of the question marks was who starts opposite Jimmy Ward. So this is going to be Hufanga's starting debut for the 49ers. You know, he, he, he grabbed that job. He impressed them this offseason. But uh, he's going to have to do it now without Jimmy Ward, who, who is one of the more reliable players in football, just with how versatile he is on the back end. He's going to have to do it without him. So uh, that's absolutely something that I'm going to be watching in this game. Obviously, the big story is... Trey Lance from the 49ers perspective. This is his debut as QB1. Even when he started for the 49ers last year, he wasn't QB1. He was merely QB2 filling in for Jimmy Garoppolo. But now in Garoppolo's hometown, and by the way, you know, this game at Soldier Field, I don't know how much longer the Bears are going to be playing there because they, they purchased property out in the suburbs, out by O'Hare Airport. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. In Arlington Heights, they purchased the old racetrack there to build a Levi Stadium-like stadium away from the city. And guess, uh, you know, what Arlington Heights has to do with the 49ers? That is literally Jimmy Garoppolo's hometown. So uh, interesting little tie-in there as Garoppolo goes back home, this time as QB2 for the 49ers. The Bears are trying to move out of Chicago, out of the city, out of Soldier Field, 
where the game will be this Sunday, and they're trying to move to Arlington Heights. So who knows how many more times the 49ers are going to be playing in Soldier Field, probably at least a couple more since the Bears are an NFC opponent by the time that all gets finalized and built. But uh, just thought that that was an interesting little twist. But Garoppolo's not going to be the guy this time, Matt, unless something happens to Trey Lance in this game. Last time that the 49ers were in Chicago last year, Jimmy Garoppolo actually had a really good performance, scored a couple rushing touchdowns. Uh, did his best Trey Lance impersonation on those little read options. Boy, it took him forever to cross the goal line. But he, but he did make it, and the 49ers did win. Uh, as far as QB rushing, Matt, goes, what do you expect the division to be in this game? I, I feel the 49ers are just going to try to pound the rock. I think they're going to be heavy on the run due to O-line concerns and due, the fact, due to the fact that Trey Lance just isn't that accurate yet. I think they really want him to grow into this role, and I think it's going to be baby steps early on. That's going to be in a whole lot of action uh, for the 49ers core of running backs, maybe for Debo Samuel on the ground, and also for Trey Lance uh, r- running the football. I think so, too. And uh, it'll be interesting because remember the, the the big critique of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers when Trey Lance had his first start against the Cardinals uh, last year in week five uh, was that they ran him too much and, and they ran him into the ground. Uh, and they ran him to the point where he got a knee injury. Uh, and, and he wouldn't, if, if he had been the, the full-time starter, he wouldn't have been able to start the following week. Um, so, um, you know, that, that, that'll be a, a really sort of interesting balance that uh, Kyle Shanahan has to, has to strike this year. Um, and, and, you know, it, adding sort of to the intrigue is the fact that he does have a really good backup uh, waiting in the wings if there was uh, a knee or ankle or whatever injury to, uh, to Trey Lance. So I don't know if that's going to make him a little bit more um, uh, prone to throw caution into the wind or not. But um, I think that's something to absolutely watch how many um, design runs there are. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of undesigned runs because, uh, that, uh, as we talked about, that uh, uh, front line, the, those uh, interior offensive linemen in particular, are just not experienced. And I, I don't think anybody thinks that it's going to be a brick wall in front of Trey Lance this year. So there's probably going to be a lot of instances where he's on the hoof uh, because he's just kind of running for his life. The, the big news out of uh, practice today, and I'm sure a lot of people are kind of waiting to hear about this, is that George Kittle didn't. Uh, take part. They had that bonus practice on Monday, and apparently Kittle injured his groin, and uh, we didn't see him at all in on, in Wednesday's session. Kyle Shanahan said that he's day to day, but uh, already right off the bat, uh, they're they're down one of their their key guys, uh, or or could be I should say uh, for the game in Chicago. And I just remember the uh, the uh, the joint practices in. Uh, Minnesota, and there were a couple of really good um, two-minute drills that, that Trey Lance had to run, and um, he did those well, and I thought it was interesting that he, he was hitting his go-to guys. He was hitting Debo Samuel the most and George Kittle the second most uh, on those kind of gotta-have-it plays where it's just kind of instinct and uh, you're, you're thrown to the guy that you, you trust the most. So, no George Kittle obviously will be, I think, a, a really big deal for uh, a young quarterback who's uh, sort of finding his feet early on. Yeah, I mean, George Kittle, the 49ers offensive splits with and without George Kittle over the years are marked, right? He, 
He's the embodiment of what Kyle Shanahan wants in his system, and that's a positionless skill position player, a guy who has the speed to line up out wide and, and beat an outside cornerback or line up in the slot, beat a slot corner, or obviously block like uh, you know an extension of the offensive line. And George Kittle is that good of a run blocker. So you never know what the 49ers are going to do when George Kittle lines up at these various positions. I mean, over the past couple of years, he's even taken handoffs, which just goes to show you how uh, you know the 49ers love to keep defenses back on their heels by using that that positional versatility and uh, Kittle can do it Kyle Juszczyk can do it and whenever either one of those two guys are out it has hurt the 49ers offense so what, what do you think how do you think the 49ers make up for that loss uh, Matt I know they brought in Troy Fumagalli signed him to their final practice squad spot on Wednesday uh, I don't necessarily expect him to be the guy they flex up to um, you know, replace Kittle if Kittle can't play. Well, we always have to monitor that here for a couple of days. But um, how, how do you think that the 49ers try to operate this, given the fact that the tight end position is going to be so important under the context of uh, what they do with Trey Lance and, the, and that dual threat that the, that the tight end does provide to support the quarterback? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were just saying about uh, the the plan of attack, which is to run, 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 and then run some more. Um, I think, you know, George Kittle is their best run blocker. So uh, without him, you, you put in your second best run black blocker, and I think that that's Tyler Croft, uh, the new guy. Uh, I don't know if Tyler Croft gets every one of George Kittle's snaps, uh, but uh, that, that could be. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't put that out of the realm of possibility. You know, there was going to be a lot of Kittle and Warner um, you know, the, the, under that scenario, you kind of keep Warner in his uh, the role that he was going to play, and then you ha- you've got Croft in there to uh, to block. Um, you've got Ross Dwelly as well, and, and Dwelly can do a lot of things, and, and he's been a really kind of dependable downfield receiver at times. Dwelly, by the way, has been the guy who's come in uh, in, in previous years for for Kittle and has done an admirable job. He's just not the blocker that Kittle is. And, and Croft is the, the biggest one of that group. He's the most experienced of that group. I, I actually think he's got more uh, uh, game experience than, than George Kittle does. Um, so that's that's how I see it. Um, he does not have George Kittle's speed, however. A uh, few, few uh, tight ends do. Maybe Kyle Pitts, maybe uh, Darren Waller, maybe Travis Kelsey on, on a good day. But uh, uh, so that's what what they're lacking is just the explosion, especially, well, and really in, in both the, the run game and the pass game, uh, nobody is George Kittle. And, and that's sort of a problem for the 49ers. When Kittle can't play, they really just can't, they really have to kind of manufacture any sort of output from that tight end group that, uh, that even comes close to what they get with a George Kittle. Yeah, it's, it was crazy, especially in 2019 when we saw a couple of those games without George Kittle. When you compared uh, the the splits, it really stood out to me. And, and Juszczyk was was the other one that I just mentioned. And I think the 49ers have tried to insulate themselves against these losses increasingly over the years by recruiting and signing more uh, adaptable players, right? So you have a, a lot of these guys who can do a lot of different things on offense, and that makes it hurt a little bit less when – uh, you you lose you know players like that, but there's only one George Kittle as far as athleticism, skill set, body type goes, and he's 240 plus pounds, maybe close to 250, uh, running that four five. That that's that's really unique, and it just still makes me 
wonder how how the hell he dropped to the fifth round of the draft with those measurables. And it's because he didn't put a lot of uh, the catches on tape at Iowa. But, uh, man, you'd think that somebody would go third round. But Tarverius Moore, for example, didn't have a whole lot on tape at Southern Miss, but he went in the third round thanks to measurables alone. So, you know, looking back on it, you're like, how the hell did George Kittle last to the fifth round? But uh, 49ers are happy that he did. They have him now. Now they'll be even more happy if he can recover uh, quickly from this groin issue and play for them on Sunday. One final matchup before we get to questions here. I see two people are in the queue. Uh, we're doing a little bit more of a podcast format today before we get to questions to preview the game. But, I mean, we talked about the defense and the offense. We have to talk about the special teams, Matt, because the 49ers are going out there uh, with a new special teams coordinator, Brian Schneider. They focused on special teams this offseason as far as personnel acquisition goes. And guess who their first test is against? Former coordinator Richard Hightower, who wasn't retained by the 49ers and is now the Bears special teams coordinator. So some symmetry there. And we cannot we cannot overstate the importance of special teams. Last year, uh, it was tough for the 49ers because uh, they, they, they lost games because of the special teams unit. And they nearly missed the playoffs because of those special teams failures. That's why Hightower isn't around anymore. And it's Schneider's job to improve this unit, and his first chance comes against Hightower's unit. So it's a, uh, a Justin Fields re- revenge game. It's a Dante Pettis revenge game. He's on the on the Bears roster, and it's a Richard Hightower revenge game. Um, but uh, boy, I really like the 49ers special teams this year. I was watching them today. Uh, there's just so much more pre- precision. I'd say that there's so much more aggression in terms of what they want to accomplish. I mean, think of those uh, Seahawks teams that uh, we used to watch in, uh, you know, the, the, the early 2010s. Uh, very opportunistic, very aggressive, a lot of block punts, uh, this, that, and the other. And I, and I think Schneider wants to do the same thing. And he's got the, he's got the guys to do it. Um, I don't know if, uh, if George Odom starts at, uh, at safety, whether he's going to get his full um, allotment of special team snaps or not, but he's probably the the number one guy. And then you've got Oren Burks there, uh, you've got Hufanga there, you got uh, a few other guys, Ray Ray McLeod on the kind of the receiving end of things. But they've got more talent at those spots. And like I said, I, I think that there's just a different mentality, a more aggressive mentality, which uh, should equate to more takeaways. And uh, a better return game. Uh, I think that's been really lacking. It's just the, the punt return game in particular has just lacked any sort of pop. It's almost as if they were just happy to not have a, a fumble or a flub uh, in recent years and, uh, and to allow Garoppolo and the offense to take over at that point. Uh, this year, I think that they're, they're gunning for yards, and I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if that pays off, and, you know, it, it also could blow up. Um, Ray, Ray McLeod has a history of fumbling. Not a very big guy. Very aggressive guy. I think that's why Kyle Shanahan likes him. He likes him on offense, too, by the way. Um, but um, he does have a, a tendency to put the ball on the ground. So risk versus reward. But, like I said, I think the theme on special teams is being aggressive this year. Somebody in the chat section said that the Kittle's injuries are, are beyond concerning. Let, let's put this in a little perspective. I think he's missed 12 out of a possible 73 games here over the past few years. So it's, I mean, yes, I mean, it, 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 injuries are always concerning. 
but there's always especially with star players whenever they're not available people tend to have this recency bias as if you know he's just hurt all the time uh well devoid of any context you know everybody's going to look bad in, in, in those circumstances right but the context is this is the most violent sport that, that there is, or one of the most violent sports that there is. And Kittle's playing one of the most violent positions in an extremely violent sport. So there's going to be some level of injury built in. Like, you just can't avoid it, right? You just can't turn off the, the injury mode. Uh, it's just one of the comments that popped up across the screen. So I think that, um, you know, we, we have to see, A, how serious this groin issue is, and B, just remember – He's playing the majority of these seasons, and these seasons are long. I mean, there's a reason why Richard Sherman was so concerned a couple of years ago and the NFL decided to move from 16 to 17 games. I mean, it's just going to make it harder for guys to, to stay healthy for the full thing. It's a rarity to stay healthy for the full thing. Anyway, why don't we go to uh, our first audio question. Tavis has been waiting for a while. Tavis, what's going on? Hey, David. Hey, Matt. Thanks for uh, letting me ask a question here. Um, I guess kind of like a two-part question. All, as the president of the Jimmy Garoppolo fan club uh, up until this year uh, out of the Oakland chapter, I'll hold all kind of thoughts, uh, you know, give, give Trey his fair shot. But one thing, I was listening to 95.7 today on the way to lunch, and they were talking about all eyes are going to be on Trey. And kind of irregardless of how the offensive line plays, you know, he's going to get the heat. And looking at past quarterbacks, uh, you know, throughout the franchise, I can definitely see that with a fan base. What kind of merit, if at all, or like, how do you factor in maybe less than stellar offensive line play um, as far as evaluating trade? Does that give him more of a pass? Obviously, every game counts, so it gets a little bit tough to, you know, just uh, maybe take games where, where Trey's having a bad game because of line play and taking losses. But we'd be curious to hear your thoughts there. And then also just understand realistically, like, what's your guys' expectations for the first six games? I think we have two really challenging games on paper, maybe one of those because of the, you know, being on the road to be extra. So I think three games we should win, but I wouldn't be surprised personally if this team ended up three and three through six games. So we'd love your thoughts on, on both those questions. Thanks for uh, taking my questions and, and go Niners. Well, Davis, David, you, I think, yeah. I was going to say, do you want to take the, uh, the schedule question and, and I'll take the O-line question? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and talk about the O-line first since that was the first one. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that uh, the question was about um, Lance's leash as it relates to the the old line, whether that could, you know, lead to a longer leash. And, and I think the answer is, is yes, because um, I, I think uh, Kyle Shanahan absolutely would take that into account uh, as far as grading Lance. And he would also say, OK, could could Jimmy Garoppolo do any better? Um, and, you know, Garoppolo uh, is the less mobile of the two guys. So, I mean, it, it definitely could, I think, work in Lance's favor as far as um, how he's being evaluated by, uh, by Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, how he handles that pressure is, 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 the, is the one question we don't know. Uh, you know, he could end up uh, elongating plays and, um, you know, hitting some big shots down the field. That's what the 49ers obviously are hoping is that he takes some of those broken plays. <laughs> I can, I can, I can guarantee you there are going to be a lot of broken plays this year and turn them into gold. That sounds like uh, the, the strategy is just to hope and pray that the backyard football can work, which I mean, this is, this has been one of our biggest criticisms, I think from both of us, you know, as we've been 
watching this team and, and watching some of the transactions and, you know, just the general flow of what's been going on the past few years. You know, one thing that I would, you know, add to the, the answer to Tavis's question is that the previous quarterback who he was talking about, Jimmy Garoppolo, wasn't like he was dealing with good pass protection. He was dealing with below average pass protection. The only time that Jimmy Garoppolo had above average pass protection uh, was through the first half or so of last season. And uh, then Mike McGlinchey tore his quad and Tom Compton came in and he was one of the worst pass protecting tackles in football. And, and it became a real issue and it was an issue the year prior and it was an issue the year before that on the way to the Super Bowl. So Garoppolo with his quick release was actually able to overcome a lot of that. And um, Trey Lance doesn't have as quick of a release, but he's got, like Matt said, he's got this capability and th- they're going to need that escapability. I think at, at some level, especially as this line uh, takes time to, you know, find that takeoff spot. They have to, uh, they're going to have to have some runway of their own. So it, it's it's concerning for the 49ers for sure. And I think you have to factor it into the Lance evaluation. Matt, I, the reason I've been talking so long about this is I totally forgot the question. Did he ask about the three most challenging games? Uh, the first six games and uh, how the you think the 49ers will do, he said that maybe they go three and three. Yeah, I mean... I take it one game at a time. I don't know what anybody in the league is going to be looking like in the regular season yet because nobody's played. The opening game is tomorrow. For all that we know, the Bears with the new coaching staff can come out and uh, not look like the Bears of uh, most years on Sunday. And, you know, it's just it's it's different when the real lights come on in, in the regular season. So, I mean, just on paper right now, you're looking at weeks one and two, the 49ers are definitely going to be favored. Week three, they – definitely won't be favored I think uh, you know heading into Denver um, unless Russell Wilson or something gets hurt between now and then Um, and you also have the Rams in that first several game stretch so it's going to be tough I I definitely don't predict 8-0 like 49 started in 2019 so um, I think they'd be happy to just show the, the I think they'd be happy to show that they're on the developmental track as a football team that they kind of charted before this season started. And they said, hey, we want to have a really strong defense, good, competent special teams, and an offense that shows promise that it could turn into what we want it to be by the second half of the season. So if that means a 3-3 and record or a 4-2 and record, as long as they're still in contention and they're showing the signs of being able to meet that overall goal as a football team throughout the first six games, I think you can consider the 49ers holding serve, right? So that's something that we'll keep an eye out for. Uh, let's go to Sean S. Sean, how's it going? Sean? Guys. Hey. Hey, Sean. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, yeah we hear oh, you. Okay, great, great, great. I'm over here. I'm, in, I'm here in Chicago with uh, my own little platform called Sports Zone Chicago. Not necessarily a question. I just want to give you three reasons why I think the Bears are going to win. Um, first one is Justin Fields. Um, the reason being, not that he's going to wow you, but the fact is they're going to run the ball. All right, they're going to run the ball a lot. All right, you're going you're to get, you know, you don't sign a fullback. Actually, we signed two fullbacks. We just signed one recently. You don't sign a fullback or two fullbacks in the NFL if you're not going to be a, a run-oriented team. Uh, they have two, one really good running back in David Montgomery, who a lot of people sleep on. Uh, I think he's one of the top five backs in the league, uh, and you'll be able to see it a lot this year. Uh, they have his backup. Um, Khalil Herbert uh, is another running back who's great for the zone. He's actually a better zone outside zone runner than David Montgomery is. And then the third running back is Tristan Ebner, a kid they just drafted out of uh, Baylor. This kid ran the outside zone at Baylor. He also ran in the slot a lot. 
So they're going to pound the ball. Uh, and you worry about it. You guys mentioned the, you know, Braxton Jones, the rookie left tackle. Well, the way you protect him and not put him on an island is you, you run the ball. You let him move people, get him confidence, and that's what they're going to do. Larry Borum and, and Tevin Jenkins on the right side, you mentioned, the second-year players. All right, there was a lot of issues with Tevin Jenkins, and I think they just they just called him out. They challenged him. Uh, they took him off the left tackle. They put him with the second team on the right and the right tackle. You know, they, and it was it was the it was the mess. He grew up. He matured, and this guy this guy is a a a, a snowplow. He will move people. So they're going to run the ball, and that's going to make a lot of things easier for Justin Fields. Um, one. That was one. That was, that was one. <laughs> well, uh, why don't we uh, discuss that so it's not sure. a, a monologue here? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah we'll I, keep you on. We'll keep you on. Stay. Yeah, there. I mean, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a great point, and and it sounds like these two teams are going to do, um, you know, on offense the, the the same thing that the other team is is going to do. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious about Luke Getze, who's the offensive coordinator he comes from green bay which is hardly a team that's pounded the rock in recent years um and uh why would you given their personnel but um i'm sort of curious about how that uh that marriage is going to go um a a offensive coordinator who comes from a, a pass first uh background uh to a team where you want to be able to pound the rock and protect the quarterback as much as possible well, I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers, and you know what? I don't really like him. I can't stand him to save my life. But the dude's a stud, all right? He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and, uh, you know, I got I to gotta give him that as much as he destroys my team every God-blessed year. Um, he kind of he ran that offense up there. Um, here it's a little different, all right? Uh, Justin Fields hasn't ascended to the level uh, of an Aaron Rodgers or of, of an elite quarterback yet. And what you do is you give them confidence, and that's what you did. that's what they did. They they brought in about I want to say literally twelve to fourteen different offensive linemen in the offseason. Their new general manager and their assistant general manager are both offensive linemen, so they understand it's one in in, in the trenches. They're going to run the ball, going to run the ball, and they've they've done it fine. And and then what's going to happen? They're going to pull it. They're going to give you an outside zone, outside zone. Oops! All of a sudden they're going to pull it. Now they got Justin Fields on the edge, and so now they're going to work in levels. They're going to have a guy underneath, a guy in the middle, and a guy deep. And then let's not forget, Justin Fields also runs a 4-5. So if he sees nothing, uh, you know, to go to, he can get a first down with his feet. So uh, I think it's, it's – well, it's going to work well because I've seen – I was a little nervous, a little annoyed with the first two preseason games. Uh, they were really bland and vanilla. And the last one, they started to open it up a little bit. And I was, and, and it really I, – I was saying, okay, I'm, I see exactly what they're doing. They didn't really want to show a lot, but they opened it up a little. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to work well. Like I said, you don't sign two fullbacks in the NFL if you're not going to run the ball. Well, that, that, that's super interesting. And uh, thanks, Sean, for the insight because it's, you know, we've been talking about the 49ers here the, the past couple years or really the entirety of the Shanahan era, but especially since they got good in 2019. They're trying to zag while the rest of the league is zigging. They're trying to run the ball. They've done it more than 50% of the time. They're one of only two teams in the NFL that's done it more than 50% of the time since 2017. And it's no surprise, I think, that, you know, that that philosophy with the fullbacks, as you mentioned, is starting to uh, move its way across the league, starting to spread across the NFL. So now the 49ers are going to have to try to face a, a taste of their own medicine. And, you know, we, guess what? The 49ers are trying to take advantage of downsizing defenses around the league, the defenses that are, you know, moving to athleticism with their linebackers that cover the pass. Uh, well, the 49ers are also, at the same time, they've been downsizing their own defense. They, they, they have the linebackers that can run from sideline to sideline. They're focused on that speed 
And if the Bears are going to try to run the football behind a couple of fullbacks and they're going to, you know, obviously with Justin Fields, uh, like Matt said, they're going to have similar offensive goals to what the 49ers might try to do to Chicago with Trey Lance. So I really like that symmetry, uh, Matt, because uh, when, when we look at this, it, it could be a good way to um, test to see where the fracture points that 49ers defense might be. And we've already been talking about the fact that they might struggle against the run. Yeah, I wonder if that means that uh, sort of the opposite of uh, the the Bears game in 2021 where Eric Armstead came inside, whether the the Bears start to run so much that Armstead re, uh, returns to his sort of big end role. Uh, and it's a Hassan Ridgeway game, um, a, a guy that we we barely talked about this offseason. He was he was hurt for most of the. Uh, uh, a, a training camp or, or a big chunk of training camp, but he's sort of their their only uh, real kind of run stuffer type. The rest of these guys are are kind of quicker off the ball guys, uh, Kevin Givens and some of the other interior players. Uh, Javon Kinlaw theoretically can do both, uh, but um, you know he's he's a, he's a different cat now. Um, he, he's got abs instead of. Uh, uh, the girth that he had in previous years. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers adjust, uh, both in mentality and personnel, if uh, if the Bears do sort of go old school and, and try to hit them up the gut. I can't wait. The season opener always provides so many unknowns, right? Because you don't know what uh, – a preseason these days, teams aren't going to schematically show much, and especially teams with new coaching staffs, so it's just a total grab bag entering week one. So we're going to learn a lot about the Bears, and by extension, we should learn a lot about the 49ers. Why don't we take a, a couple more quicker questions this time? It was, it was nice to get the scouting report on, on the Bears, so thanks <laughs> yeah. to Sean for that. Yeah, um, Sean Sean gave us a very thorough report on, on the, the Bears uh, out there. Yeah. I and, love it. And, and we don't normally have that on the show. I, I, I liked it too, uh, but I'm guessing the rest of our listeners are going to be coming from the 49ers side. So let's see if we have a question from Brandon T. What's up, Brandon? How's it going, fellas? Love hey, the platform. Love this platform, man. I'm a long time reader. Um, so I'm a Bears fan. I know y'all were expecting the 49ers <laughs> fan. I hate to disappoint. Um, but so, so my questions, I got a couple comments and a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, my comments are that I don't think the Bears are going to have a successful season this year. I'm not expecting very much. But obviously, you know, the, the catchphrase nowadays is trust the process. So with the new leadership in place, um, I think that we're heading in the right direction. I don't think Ryan Pace was a horrible GM. I just don't think he was very good at picking quarterbacks. Um, but he did pick Justin Fields, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, my, my question for you guys is, based on everything we're hearing um, as far as the cap goes next year, I'm, I'm more forward-looking. Uh, what kind of expectations do you see the Bears, you know, kind of hunting for, you know, um, you know, that talent, that big game talent, game-breaking talent as far as wide receivers uh, in the upcoming, you know, season, after this season, I guess I, I should say. Matt, was the question about what the Bears are going to do at, at wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just just basically looking forward, looking at, into next year's free class and um, the wide receivers come okay. out in the draft. I'm curious what kind of talent. Uh, we could chase with all that all that free freed up cap space that we won't have next year. 
So I have to look at the Bears cap situation just just to apologize ahead of time because I, I study the 49ers cap very, very closely. And the Bears are going to have $107 million. They currently have $107 million in cap room next year. So a lot of money. They want, yeah, it's a lot of money. So if they want to go after a big-name receiver, I don't know, but we got to see who's on the market next year. I haven't even looked that far ahead. But uh, they're, they're, they're going to have a lot of money to spend there. I think a lot of it with any team, with the Bears, with the 49ers, uh, is – going to be dependent on what the young quarterbacks do here in 2022, right? This is a massive year for Justin Fields. He's got to take that second year leap. Uh, they have the offensive line in front of him has to take that second year leap. I think that any good football team is going to build from the trenches. So if you know, we'll see the first uh, results of, of what both the 49ers and the bears are doing in the trenches this week. And if both of these offensive lines are woefully overmatched, well, I, I think that's where the, investment and the development for both of these teams should come moving forward and it's going to be a long season before that happens but um matt you know we, we haven't talked about that leads me to talking about the 49ers uh cornerbacks because we're going to get to see charverius ward in a 49ers uniform for the first time uh in in this game and you know they think that he can be a game changer for them they thought they had a game changer in jason verrett last year and they had one maybe throughout the first part of the season uh, and that was only a, you know a few quarters before Verrett tore his ACL. Uh, what do you expect to see out of Ward, and and how do you think that's going to like you know change the the dynamics of this defense, which really struggled without a top cornerback last year? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying about uh, it, it, we're going to uh, notice Ward more if this team can deliver on first and second downs, and it goes back to what Sean was just saying about you know wanting to just pound the ball and you know, pick up, uh, you know, big chunks on first and second downs. You put him in those third and long situations, and that's where somebody like Charvarius Ward is going to shine because he can shut you down uh, in those, I don't know, what what is it, two seconds? Uh, it takes for Nick Bosa and, and Samson Ebucom to uh, to start crashing the, the pocket. Uh, and that's that's the that's the D'Amico Ryan's formula this year. Um, I think it's going to be a much more aggressive um, secondary than it's been that, that we've seen in a long time. Uh, just cause we, there's just hasn't been the the amount of talent uh, at that cornerback spot at the outside cornerback spot that there is this year, and um, you know that this is the first time that they've been able to really marry uh, consistent edge rushing plus really good press uh skills on the outside and it's not just uh ward i think uh, emmanuel mosley doesn't get nearly enough uh publicity and uh this is a guy that's gonna uh be a free agent probably in 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 march so he's looking for a big year but uh, i thought he was really solid when he came in last year got stronger i th thought you saw that in the style that he played um and uh if he makes similar strides uh this year um, and I'm not saying he's going to be Charvarius Ward, but he's somebody who I think can really take advantage of Ward being on the other side. So um, it, it, it all needs to kind of fall into place, but the pieces are there. Absolutely. The, the 49ers really invested in the secondary here over the past couple of years. I think that we saw a lot of defensive line investment, and we, and we still do, but we saw you know, just it was a heavy skew toward the D-line for the first few years of the Lynch Shanahan tenure. And, and now they've really balanced it out because they believe in, in that relationship, the symbiotic relationship between rush and coverage. You're, 
you're getting the coverage, fueling the rush, and, and, and vice versa. So that'll be on display. No Jimmy Ward does hurt the 49ers a little bit, obviously, maybe a lot coming into this game. And that's something that we're going to have to keep a really close eye out on because, as you said, George Odom, is he's a player that uh, the Bears staff is really familiar with due to the Indianapolis connection from last season. All right, let's uh, – Let's see. Anything? Oh, predictions. We always end these with predictions. Uh, we're back in regular season mode, Matt. What do you think is going to happen in this game on Sunday? Man, talking, uh, listening to everybody, I, I think the score might be uh, three to two or something like that. It's, it's going to be, this is going to be uh, Newt Rockney type football uh, out, out here. Um, but I, I do think that um, these teams will start to find their stride in the second half. I think, the, I think the first half will be. Rocky. It'll be ugly in a lot of ways. Uh, they they usually are, but um, you know, uh, I think in in the second half, maybe as was the case last year in Week Eight in Chicago, uh, the 49ers are just the better team. They've got more talent on the team, uh, so I think they start to pull away. Uh, I I think it'll be one of those ugly score games. I think there's a 22 in there, so uh, I'm going to go 22-15, 49ers. It was a weird score game last year, right? Didn't the 49ers end up put up 33 or – it was something funky last year. Remember, they went for two at one point. Yeah, there was uh, a two-point try at some point. Garoppolo hit Ayuk, who was wide open on the slant there. Bears uh, weren't able to get him at the line of scrimmage. So, uh, I mean, last year's game, remember, the Bears had the 49ers. It looked like – no, I wouldn't say on the ropes because it still wasn't that late. But it was in the second half. 49ers faced a third and long. They were trailing. They couldn't get anything going offensively. And this is when the team was really sliding, right? Oh, and yeah. They, they were coming on off that, that loss to the Colts, uh, the, the Matt Eberflus-led uh, uh, defense for the Colts. The Colts, yeah. So that, that happened back-to-back weeks. And the 49ers faced, what, a third and 19, third and 20. They ran the little slip screen to Debo Samuel. And he took it what looked like it was a touchdown at first, and they ruled it down at the one. But he took it 80 yards or whatever it was. Uh, just a, a fantastic catch and run there from Devo Samuel set up the Garoppolo touchdown run uh, just a, a couple plays later. That was that that was, you know, you could point at that play as one to turn the 49ers season around because yeah. they ended up beating the Bears. Then they ended up uh, beating the Rams a couple weeks after that. I, I think that they lost actually to Arizona after the Bears win. So it wasn't a, a totally linear turnaround for the 49ers. But it was definitely the start of something, right? And then, obviously, they went on the tear that got them into the playoffs and uh, all the way to the NFC Championship game. Anyway, uh, my point is that uh, Soldier Field has been kind to the 49ers as of late. They won there in 2017 in Jimmy Garoppolo's starting debut for the team on a last-second field goal, and they won there in 2021. So 2022 is here now. And I do believe that the 49ers are going to win just because of the, the talent advantage that they have on the defensive line against the Bears O-line that hasn't yet proven itself. Uh, to me, I think the 49ers can control the game through that avenue as long as they take care of the football on offense and on special teams. And there's one thing that Trey Lance has, I think, done done well at you know, both North Dakota State and decently well in his two NFL starts is, is he's taking care of the football. I mean, there was – an interception with a broken finger against Arizona. And then uh, Desmond King picked them off against Houston in week 16 last year. But uh, the 49ers can absorb an interception, maybe even two. What they can't have is a four pick, 
three pick kind of game. And I think with Trey Lance in this early stage of his career is at least ready to, to, to manage that for the 49ers. You know, if you go three and out, so be it. Give it to a good special teams unit. We presume we'll, we'll be good, right? And then let the defense go to work. And I think that the 49ers have enough of a talent edge in this game to be able to win that way in Chicago. But you, you, you never know. It's game one, new coaching staff for the Bears. And, you know, if the 49ers can't stop the run, maybe we'll be surprised. But I'm going to go with a 49ers win in this game. I think they'll put up 23. I think the Bears will score 16. I think something like 23-16 is going to happen in this one. All right, we're, we're close. I'm, I'm one point below you for, for uh, both teams. All right. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll have to keep track. We'll, we'll put in the spreadsheet, and uh, we'll, we'll keep our record just like we did last year. And I know for a while last year, both you and I were wrong every single week early on. <laughs> the 49ers kept on losing. We'll that does not bode well, yeah. And then as soon as we picked up to lose, they would start winning, and it would just be the opposite. So if you're a 49ers fan right now, you probably don't like the fact that we – both picked them to win because that meant certain loss last year. Uh, I'll tell you who's happy. Sean, Sean in Chicago is is uh, yeah. over the moon right now with that prediction. Yep, and thanks to Sean <laughs> in Chicago for for the for the scouting report on the Bears, uh, made for a fun show. Anyway, this is the Here's the Catch podcast. It's in live room fashion, so be sure to tune in every week. Some rooms we might do it uh, old school fashion. Some rooms we'll do it live room fashion, but we'll let you know ahead of time. Uh, or at the start of the, the show, if it, if it is a live room, which your phone should also notify you of, and you can ask questions. So hopefully we get more of those next week before the 49ers take on the Seahawks. But first, it's 49ers Chicago season opener on Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time.